You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Okay, so I'm going to pray for us, and we'll get going. (sighs) Would you just put your hand on your heart? Holy Spirit, we ask you that you would speak to us, that you would provoke us. Lord, we ask you that our hearts would burn for you, that they would feel your intense love and passion and zeal for us, and that we would return it to you, God. We love you so much. So just where you are, like, invite him to speak to you. Like, I do not want to just play church. I'm like, we got better things to do. So just really invite him. Open yourself up and ask him, speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. We, uh, we just moved to Midlothian. So if Dallas is here, y'all are here, and now we've moved here. <laughs> and um, we, we're living on some land now. So we were in Oak Cliff, which is in South Dallas, which... We heard gunshots fairly frequently and not from hunting. And uh, we heard sirens all the time and had just all kinds of interesting characters. We lived on a really busy street. And we had all kinds of interesting people that would walk our street that, that would sometimes cause our guests to be scared. And, uh, but uh, we've moved, and now we're in, like, semi-country, semi-suburbia. So that's a little Frisco-esque, yes? And um, we love it. We love that we haven't heard a siren in a long time now. And we love that kids can run around in the front or in the back, and and we're not worried that they're going to get whatever. But one of the things that I felt as we were moving down there, I just felt the Lord, he, I, I had been reading um, when the Israelites are, go and, and conquer these other cities and lands, and I kept feeling him remind me, like, do not adopt the ways of these people where you're going. And I, I'm not saying Midlothianites are bad people, but there was something about moving out of that urban area where we're we're just we, we we are different. We're walking in a different spirit. And it's very obvious. And then we move into country suburbia life, and things are just a lot more cushy feeling. They're just a lot more comfortable. They're a lot more easy. And I kept feeling like the Lord kept saying to me, "Do not adopt these." ways. Like, just like he kept telling the Israelites, don't intermarry, don't. I just kept feeling like he was saying, Larissa, don't forget who you are. When you, when you walk into these places that are, that are comfortable and they're easy and they're convenient and they're whatever, don't forget who you are. And so I've been just meditating, thinking about what, what does that look like for us to not forget who we are? that we're like, we're still on mission. I don't know if you know that, but if you're a believer, you are on mission. You are a missionary wherever you are. You're in Frisco, you're in Plano, you're in Farmer's Branch, you're in Midlothian, you're in Oak Cliff, and you're a missionary. But to feel kind of like a missionary was a lot easier when we were in this urban environment where we were kind of like the weird people. 
And now we're around people that kind of have similar values to us. You know, it's like safe for the whole family. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And um, I've just been thinking about how do I, how do I, how do I maintain this burn and this longing in my heart? And um, I just want you to know that if this is your body, if that you're a part of this, that that is what we're going to always be calling you to, to this place of longing and burning and like, oh, for God. And so I want to share a dream with you, and then I'm, we're going to uh, open up some scripture. But I had a dream. I don't think I've shared it here before. It was sometime last year. I had a dream that I was getting married, and I was in a bridal shop. You work at a bridal shop, don't you? And I was um, in the dressing room, and the gentleman that was working in the shop kept bringing me dresses to try on. And he kept bringing me these very, like, glitzy, glammy, like sexy dresses, like they they would be like velvet or sequined or low cut or have a slit, and I kept I, I, he would bring me one after the other. None of them were white, and I was like, "What is this guy's problem?" No, and so he'd bring me another one. I'd go, "No, no, no, no," and finally I stopped and like stuck my head out the little curtain. I said, "Hey, I'm getting married." I am a bride. I don't, I'm not trying to be sexy. I want to be beautiful. And I woke up and the Lord just started to speak to me about his bride. And he said, my bride is dressing herself up so that the world will find her attractive. When I want her to be beautiful to me. And it looks real different. And I started to realize how freeing it would be to be dressed for him and not worry what in the heck anyone else thought about what I looked like. Have you ever been to a wedding? Yes? How about that moment when, like, grooms here? Come on, Jeremy, come up here. Ashley, you got to, yep. All right, yes. Okay, go out the doors, go out the doors. Okay, there's this moment, pretend I'm like some dashing minister. There's this moment, the doors, they bust open. Here she comes, we get the music, we're all standing, and we are all, I know, exactly, because we're, we're all doing this, right? We all want to see, are they really in love? Like, look at him. Is he going to cry? Is he crying? Are they laughing? What is this? We are all so enthralled with that moment and that connection. Okay, guys. <laughs> Kids are embarrassed. All right. Okay. Okay. You, can, you may kiss the bride. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you would love that. Uh, we, I mean, I remember I was I was at Abby's wedding less than a year ago, and I you were all looking at those moments, 
between bride and groom. And I promise you, like, why do we love The Bachelor? I don't, but, well, I know a lot of you do, so don't hide. But why, why, why do we love that? We love love. We love to know, like, do they, but do they really, like, is he really into her? Is it just because she's hot or you know, we love love. And I'm telling you that if we could be a bride that's dressed for her groom, that is in love with her groom, we will not have to be so impressive to everyone out there. They will be enthralled by the love that we have with our groom and amongst each other. And we won't have to put on our fancy dresses and show some leg to get them to get in our doors. I'm over that. I don't have the energy for it. But I do have this passion to be dressed for him, for him to find me beautiful. And I have a passion to help you, to help dress you to be beautiful for him. And so that's what I want to talk about um, in scripture tonight. So turn to Matthew 6. I love things that anyone can do. Like, I love anytime someone gives an instruction or a teaching or whatever that anybody in this room could do. That's like a, okay, yeah, I could do that. Like, don't give me, don't lay out something, don't ask me to do something that, like, only special people can do. Right? Um, one of our, uh, uh, a friend of ours has a list. He says the top 10 things that require no talent. So I'm going to lay out some things for you that will position your heart before him that require no talent. Isn't that great? You can do it. Um, so these, I'm going to talk about three things and I'm going to talk about our value system that will put you in a place of faith. And I feel like between Midlothian and Frisco, we have to like awaken to what the Lord calls us to, to be in a place of faith where our hearts can be burning again. Because it's just really easy in my little world where I am now to just coast. Except that I have four kids and they make me desperate for Jesus. <laughs> uh, whew, thank you, God, for that. That is no joke. <clears throat> um, okay, so here's the three things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about giving to the poor. We're going to talk about praying. We're going to talk about fasting. Raise your hand and say, I can do that. I have the ability to do that. Not one person cannot not do those things. If maybe you'd say, I can't fast. Well, I bet you can fast in some way. All right. So let's talk about it. I know you're like, oh, sweet. But here's what I want you to see. We're going to read through all this. What I want you to see is that Jesus, when Jesus talked about these three things, he assumed that we were all doing it. And I don't know. I mean, I'm in ministry. I'm married to a pastor, and I don't fast often. And so I'm guessing that if I don't, then you probably don't either, right? 
Do you give to the needy? Uh, do you get? Okay, so I want to provoke us all. Yes? All right. If you've never fasted, put your seatbelt on. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Okay, hold on. I've got to give you one other preface. The, the main thrust of what he's talking about here has to do with how the secret place of the heart. And so he talks about all these spiritual disciplines that you're not meant to do in front of people because it's about the inner place of the heart. It's how you are before him. And so we're going to talk about that, but I, I, I want to just pull us up even higher and go, oh, yeah, he's assuming that we're doing all these things. So let's start there with that assumption because I don't know about you, but you're probably not doing all these things, I'm guessing, on a regular basis. Okay? Uh, Matthew 6, verse 1. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Say reward. Thus, when you give to, to the needy, say when you give, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Say reward. But when you give, say when you give, to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Say, in secret. And your father who sees in secret will what? He will what? Now, in our, like, in our day and age of grace, in our revelation of grace, we don't like to talk about rewards. Right? We like, everyone gets a participant ribbon? Right? And even in the church, we don't like to talk about it because we don't understand it. Because it flies in the face of who we know him to be. Because we're like, thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross. And it's true, the cross made a way for us to all go in. But there is a biblical principle about the nature of God that has to do with him rewarding us. And so I want to provoke some of you to his nature, to who he is. What I saw, I saw a vision of this massive, like, uh, how do I, uh, this is a terrible analogy, but all I can picture is like Santa's sleigh. I know, he's not Santa, I'm not saying he is. It's not like, uh, were you good this year? No. Okay, so I just saw a picture of like Santa's bag, and it was bulging. And I saw this, like, belt or rope around it, and he was waiting to on this body. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. And am I talking about spiritually? Yes. But am I talking about in other ways too? Yes. And I feel like I need to provoke you that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, especially in these three disciplines. It says in the word that he will reward you, the one who sees in secret. Okay, let's keep going. So we're going to go over all this, and then we'll talk about it. Um, this is giving to the needy. Uh, next, verse 5. And when you pray, say, when I pray. You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Say reward. Reward. 
But when you pray, say, when I pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is where? Where is he? He is in secret. Is he with us tonight? Yes. But the place where you will always find him is in secret. There's something about these three disciplines that are all hidden places. They're hidden places of the heart, and they will, they will position your heart to be before him because they're hidden, because they can't, you can't practice these things in public, and so it always posi- positions your heart to do these things before the Lord and not before a man that keeps your heart burning because you, they're things, they're value systems of faith. It's like, I am putting my all my investment into this unseen realm that is the secret place where there will be reward for me that none of you know about. But because it's in secret, only he knows about it. And so I'm in this place of faith that like, God, you see me. You see me. You're going to reward me. Let's keep going. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip the Lord's Prayer. It's good, but I'm going to skip it for now. And go to verse 16. And when you fast, say, when I fast. Oh, say it again. Say, when I fast. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is where? And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Some versions say he'll reward you openly. And so you have this idea that there's these disciplines done. There's giving to the needy. There's praying in the secret place. And then there's fasting. All of which are just between you and the Lord, right? It's just between you and him. But there's this place that only he sees It's just you and him. It's a choice he makes, an act of your will. It's not like he, listen, if you put your faith in Jesus and you confess him as Lord, you're going to heaven. But if you would like to just live there, great. But I'm like, I'm going for rewards. On earth, now, in the spirit, in the material, relationally, in every way, emotionally, mentally, I'm going for all of them. He cares about all of them and laying them up in eternity, all of the above. So there's this place where we do these things in secret that are just between me and him, and then I get rewarded openly. And you go, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do things just to get things from him. It's okay because when you get the things – let's use an example. So say you give, give, give to the needy, the homeless, whatever ministry, the orphan, the widow. I'm talking about the, the, the people that can't, they, they may not ever say thank you. You will not receive a plaque saying thank you for giving to such and such. They will not write you a thank you note. They may go spend your money on drugs and alcohol. They may, but when you give, which by the way, he says, whatever you've done to one of these, you've done unto me. So I've been challenged lately when I think to give to someone, whereas before I'd be like, 
say I had 20 bucks in my pocket, I'd be like, I want to give them, I'm going to go with five. <laughs> I'm going to go with five. And the Lord's been telling me lately, what if, what if, Casey, come here. What if, he pretend he's needy. What if, what if you look at him like it's me? Are you going to, like, you're just going to give a little? Or like, what if, in this moment, biblically speaking, Matthew 25, what if he, the Lord, I have an opportunity to give something to the Lord that, that like, it's in the spirit. It's, it, he, he can't, no one's going to look at me and be like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me hug you. Let me post on Facebook how amazing you are. It's this unseen place where I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not, not the five. Like, I've got the 20, but can I give you anything else? What if I treated him as if he were Jesus himself in that moment? Okay, thank you. And so, for example, so say that, for example, I give to the needy, and then I get rewarded openly, say, in the realm of finances. Say, like, just money just starts pouring into my life, and you go, well, you shouldn't have just given to that man because you wanted money. Well, you know what? It's okay, because the system that he has established will build into it, well, I'm still going to give in secret right? So my heart is constantly being refined back to the thing that matters. Otherwise, the blessing gets plugged up. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it, the system itself will refine your heart because where your treasure is, there your heart is. So it keeps coming. So the, say the finances, I'm not saying it's one-to-one. I'm not saying I give to Casey and money starts coming my way, although that's a possibility and a, a probability. But say that happens and then I get puffed up and I start spending it on those Nikes I want, which is not bad. But say I just become obsessed with money, I become a lover of money, well then we're done. But if I continue in the way of the Lord, giving to the needy in secret where no one knows, then my heart keeps burning because I keep seeing him. Well, how much can I give you? Ah, I want to give you more. So these are the three areas. Giving, which is your money which is huge, like where you spend, you show your value. That's not, that's not negative per se. Like you could spend on your family. You could spend on vacations, toys for your kids. You could spend on your spouse. You could spend on, none of that is bad in and of itself, but it does show what you value. So you have this investment in your values, right? Yes? I like feedback, so yes. Okay. So one, that value. Second one is praying. It's your time. It's your energy. It's your time. It's your energy. When you pray... 
I love our prayer room. I love, I love it. 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 I'm not going to tell you to not do that, but I'm going to tell you that when you are only praying in corporate scenarios, you are missing something huge and you're missing a reward from heaven. There's a lot of different ways that these rewards manifest themselves, but one of them is this confidence and authority in public. So in private, you're praying, and you know it's only you, only you that can see it, only him that knows, but then you get in a place, a public place or a corporate place, and you pray, and there is this like this security in him, this confidence in him, and this authority in the spirit because you've been there in secret. So it's your money, it's your time, and it's (laughs) your appetite. I've been really challenged by this lately. I love food, okay? I do. I love, I love food. Like, I... I love avocados. I love cupcakes. I love food. I love bacon. Amen. I love, I like food a lot. And somebody sent me this book recently. Can you guys put this book up here? It's by Jensen Franklin. Oh, there it is. I don't know how to say that. Jenison? Anyway. He's great. Somebody sent me this book on Audible, and I listened to it on a plane ride, and I was so convicted and actually excited to fast. Let me just say this out loud. If you haven't fasted, you need to fast. If you are a believer in this room, you should have some sort of fasting in your life. And this book built my faith a ton. It gave me a ton of biblical foundation for fasting, what I could expect from it, testimonies from it. This guy is a pastor and his church does a 21-day fast at the beginning of every year. And he challenges them with all these different things that they can expect from the Lord in their fasting. But I'm telling you, I know that we like to do, we're like, well, I'm fasting from coffee. Well, that's great. But I want to challenge you that biblically fasting has to do with food. So either not eating or doing like a Daniel fast or, and I I know, I know, I know it's not, none of us want to talk about it. But I feel like it's, there is a key for us. There is a key, listen, one of the things that he said that blew my mind was that Adam, sin came into the world through food. It was pleasing, she saw that it was pleasing to eat, pleasing to the eye. It entered in through food. I know. Wow. But there's something when you Position yourself to go, no, my value system is in heaven. Like my, the things that I value with my money, my time, and my appetite are in, I'm investing in the heavenly realm 
something happens in your heart, you're established like, no, this is who I am. It establishes something in your family. It establishes something before your children. This is who we are. This is what we are about. And I know in like Western American convenient church, this is not fun to talk about, but I feel like it's important. And I feel like there's a reward coming. And let me say this. Sometimes what we do with these types of things is we get overwhelmed by the idea of it because we have lofty ideas of what it looks like. Okay, for example, like if you don't exercise and then you're like, I'm going to work out, I'm going to work out, you know, January 1, I'm going to work out. And so you have this idea of exercise that's just like way over the top. It's like two hours a day and it's running 10 miles and lifting weight. It's just way over the top. And so what do you do? You don't do it, right? Can you relate? Yes. Remember I like feedback? Yes. We know what you're saying. So we have these ideas of it. It's just, it's too big. It's too much. I can't do it. And so we don't do it. And so then we just, meh. But here's what I want to challenge you with. Do a day. One day. One day. Do drink juice. Like, you don't, you don't have to have this crazy spiritual goal of fasting for 40 days on water only. I mean, if you want to do that, bless you, and maybe you can work up to that. But try something that will position your heart and before heaven, and it's like it shouts to the gods of convenience. It shouts to the gods of comfort. It shouts to the gods of self-sufficiency and self-reliance and selfish ambition. And it shouts to the atmosphere and says, this is what I'm about. And you remember who you are. And there's something about it that like your heart burns. You're like, is Jeremy going to come up here and call us to a fast? (laughs) He's going to come to my house every day and see, like, what I'm eating for breakfast? No. Because here's the thing. This is between you and the Lord. All these things, they're between you and him. They're done in secret. They're done in secret. And yet the reward oftentimes is open. which is super interesting. So I want you to, I want you to see, I know that our, um, our Bibles usually have these subtitles, but when they were written, they didn't have them. And so I want you to see, look back in Matthew chapter 6 at the end of the portion on fasting, It goes right into verse 19, which says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. He goes on to talking about you cannot serve God in money. And then, he, and then it continues. So this is one continuous idea that he's building upon. And in verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So let me just say this. 
the therefore is since you have these things in your life that you're doing in secret before the Father, you don't need to worry. You get what I'm saying? And so it's not that he won't take care of you if you're not doing the things, but there's a confidence in your father and his, his commitment to care for you, even in the physical material things that you can count on when you are walking in these things. Is he a good father no matter what? Yes. But there's something about you that will learn to not be anxious and to live free from those lesser cares and worries where he will clothe you and feed you extravagantly. I highly encourage that book. I listened to it on Audible. I did it quick. Especially the first half, he kind of repeats himself in the second half. Don't tell him I said that. But um, it's so good for building your faith. Why does God set it up this way? I don't know. I'm not him. But I do know that it's true and it's real. I know that when we invest in the realm of the spirit, we get rewarded in the physical and in the spirit. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Don't be deceived. He will reward you. You can bet on it. I went on a fast after I read this book. No, I'm not like, we should all be doing it, so don't be in awe of me. But I, I went on a fast and I had a dream and in the dream, Michael, I got home one day and he, he said, you got a huge check in the mail. Well, I haven't, I haven't gotten a huge check in the mail in reality, but I knew that the Lord was saying, I'm rewarding you. I'm rewarding you. And now I lost it because I just told all of you about it, but that's fine. Um, you're worth it. I want to show you a story um, in the book of Acts chapter 10, and then uh, we'll respond. But I do need some water. Say, when I give. Say, when I pray. Say, when I fast. Woo! You are meant to be doing all those things as a follower of Jesus. Even as a family... Like, it speaks volumes to your kids when they're like, why, why, is, why are you not eating, Dad? And you have to explain that. It's kind of weird, right? But it's such a good teaching opportunity. Okay, look in Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, say gave alms, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, this is a Gentile, okay? 
This is just a man that for whatever reason, he has, he has, he just walks in a ton of integrity. He gives alms to the poor and he's praying constantly. But he does not have the revelation that you and I have. Okay, but look. Verse 4. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter, who's lodging with one Simon at Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So I don't know if you remember this story, but he has a vision, and then Simon Peter has a vision almost simultaneously that they're supposed to meet. And the Gentiles, through this man, get introduced to the kingdom. All because of what? He was giving alms and he was praying continually and it came up. An angel showed up because it came up before the Lord as a memorial in heaven. What? So you're telling me that when I'm giving to Casey and none of you know about it, and I give to Casey that somehow in this secret place, something goes up. Guys, this is new covenant post Pentecost, post everything. This is our age. This reality happened that he gave alms to the poor and it came up as a memorial before God. And God sent an angel to visit this man that broke in the kingdom to a group of people that should have never been able to receive it. That is crazy. That's like weird. If I told you that that happened to me, that like I was sitting in my house and an angel showed up and said, hey, whoa, your money came up before God that you've been given to Casey. You'd be like, she's lost it. But that is a spiritual reality. It's a reward for something. Again, I know we don't like rewards. We don't like to think about him in that way, that like he would give more to one than another, but it's true. And I don't know about you, but I just felt like there were some people in the room that you've been waiting for permission to live with that kind of passion and zeal. That like tonight would be like a, like a, like a me ringing a bell and you're like, yes. I didn't know what it was, but I've been like, I've been wanting something. I've been wanting my heart to burn and I wasn't sure if there was something I could do. And then there are some of you that, that like you're meant to be provoked to what it means to like, there's a lot of things that it means to live the Christian life and to be a follower of Jesus, but these are three things that he assumed that we do. And so some of you are just needing to be provoked to do the things in secret because, listen, he wants to reward you. He wants to reward us, but he, these things are heart checkers. There's a reason why there are these specific things that we value, and there's a reason why they're in secret. Do you notice he didn't say, like, when you come into worship, dance wildly, and the Father will reward you? 
does he like dancing wildly? Yes. But there's something about the heart check when no one sees you that puts you before him and positions you in faith that he's the God who sees. He's the God who sees. He's the God who rewards. He sees me right now. He's going to reward me right now. He's going to see. He sees me. I don't have to tell anyone about it. Nobody has to know. But he, it's this place of faith. And so if you if you have any area where you're like, I need God to break in, guys, give, pray, fast, in secret. He will reward you. I don't have to know. You don't need to post it anywhere. You don't, you, I mean, if you want to do it with, with a friend, awesome. But do it in faith that he is going to reward you. Your your life is not hitting a, like a, a, an insulated ceiling. He, when you give, your alms go up before him in heaven. What? And then heaven responds. That's crazy. If you need breakthrough in your heart, you need breakthrough in your relationships, you need breakthrough in your health, your finances, your whatever, these are the things that require no talent, yes? Like everybody in this room has the ability to do these things on some level. And it just keeps positioning you in faith. Amen? Like you should be tithing. You should be tithing. But, and, but like when you give to the needy, so you should give beyond that. When you tithe, like, I don't know who it is in Frisco, but somebody sees what you give. But when you give to the needy, like, in random places, random times, there's something about that secret. And I feel like from me in Midlothian to you guys up here, this is like, the burning heart that he's called us to carry before him that is so counter to everything around us. Right? Isn't it? Like it's so different from our culture that's telling you the opposite. It's telling you to do what feels good to take care of yourself. And he's like, do what I'm asking you to do, and I'll bless you abundantly. So stand up. Some of you look like a deer in the headlights. But I'm not going to run over you, I swear. Okay. Say, when I give... When I pray, when I fast, <laughs> let's just close our eyes and just ask him. Jesus, we ask you that you would awaken our hearts, wake up our hearts, wake up our sleepy hearts, wake up our sleepy hearts, wake up our sleepy hearts, God. 
Holy Spirit, wake up our sleepy hearts to live the life that you've invited us to live. Lord, to take the calling that you've called Frisco, that you've called Uproom Frisco to live, to really take it and burn before you, to be like a bride that's dressed for her husband, to be so enamored and enthralled with who you are and you in us that, that all of Frisco will turn and look, what is this? Who are these people? What are they doing? They're so different. And so I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, would you wake up our sleepy hearts? Would you provoke hearts? Would you give permission to hearts to burn, to long, to answer, to respond before you? Lord, I don't even, like, I can't, I can't even do an altar call because these are things that are done in secret. And so, God, we just, I'm just asking you for grace on every heart and for the ones that don't burn and the ones that are like, Bleh, I don't, ah. if you want to burn, tell him. Just be honest with him. Say, I, maybe I don't, but I want to. I don't want to do these things, but I want to want to do these things. That's where you need to start. I don't feel like doing this, but I want to feel like it. So just ask him wherever you are. Just wherever you are, open your mouth, tell him. You guys got to get used to this. This is who we are. We tell him things. We talk to him. We open our mouths. So Jesus, help us. We ask you. We ask you that we could burn for you. We ask you, Lord, that we could see the God who gives rewards to his children, who rewards us, Lord, who protects our hearts from the love of money, who protects our hearts from the love of self, who protects our hearts from being self-absorbed. We just thank you, God, for awakening our hearts, awakening our hearts. Lord, we come out from under the influence of culture that wants to lull us to sleep with our convenience and comfort that we could wake up to love, that we could wake up to passion, that we could wake up to burn for you, Lord, to burn <laughs> with the love that you burn for us with. We ask you, God. We ask you. And for those hearts that don't, we ask you that you would help us. Birth something here, Lord. Birth something here, Lord. I felt like I, 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 I listened to um, Kevin preaching last week on the Sabbath here because I like to know, like, well, what's God doing in Frisco? How is he moving? What is he speaking? And Kevin said something that hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, he said get prepared now for what's coming. And I want to tell you that if you're in this room and you plan to stick around here, that God's going to do something. He's sending people here. I'm telling you, he has entrusted you with more and more people are coming. And I just feel this thing in me that's like, if you're in the room, then you're a leader and you're called to prepare now for what's coming. For all the ones that that don't know him, that that don't know how to walk in him. And so Oh, I just it hit me really hard when I heard him say it like prepare now for what's coming. Don't be caught unprepared. And so we just ask you, Holy Spirit, would you be the one that helps us? Help us, Lord. Pray that people would be able to hear you calling, Lord. Calling them up higher, calling them to more.
thank you that you're a rewarder of those who seek you. So we even say over ourselves, I am one who seeks God. I am one who seeks him. I pray, Lord, that as for me and my house, as for this house, as for all the children that are represented by the families here, that they will be families who seek your face. Thank you.